It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, family. I am Tanitra Batiste, your host, of course, of ATL Day Ones. And of course, our guide drivers is still out with our leadership team for Locked On Sports in Utah. So can't wait to hear all about that adventure when he gets back next week. But as always, we don't disappoint around here because we get you guys the best guests possible. So we got some fun ones today. And on the show, first and foremost, we'll start off by asking the question, can the Hawks get one dub without a three or without a four? And it's another week where the Falcons will face a foe that's kind of a mirror, mirror image of them. So Who's going to come out looking better on Sunday and for the culture? Yes, you guys can finally ask me anything. ATL Day Ones starts now. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hey, we appreciate you guys for stopping by ATL Day Ones. And also, we appreciate you guys getting our whole network of Locked On Sports Atlanta, over 5,000 subscribers. Of course, today's episode is brought to you by BET Bet Online. BetOnline.net, that is where the game starts. And again, appreciate you guys for stopping by. But really, I appreciate Brad Roland for stopping by. He is our guy, the host of Locked On Hawks. Brad, how's it going today? I'm living the dream. It's that time of year. It's uh, it's, it's a new month. It's December and uh, a Hawks game tonight. So what plan, plan to discuss at this point? I know, right? And we've got two home games across the next four days. We've got high school playoffs going on with football. And we also, of course, have the big SEC championship game. So it's going on here in the A as far as sports goes this weekend. Of course, we've got Falcon Steelers on Sunday as well. But let's start off with tonight. Got the news yesterday that, of course, we are without John Collins for at least two weeks. And then, of course, we'll have uh, some challenges there without DeAndre Hunter for at least a week. Those guys both, of course, exited the game on Wednesday against the Magic. So the Hawks will be down a couple guys. And the Nuggets will be down a couple guys as well. Michael Porter Jr. isn't playing tonight. He's already been ruled out. But, you know, for me, Brad, I'm kind of looking at this as the first iteration of kind of a tough stretch for the Hawks. We've, of course, gotten out of the first quarter of the season. Now, amongst these next six games, you've got Nuggets, you've got Nets, you've got Grizzlies, and I'll just throw the Knicks in there just for kicks and giggles because, hey, it's kind of a rivalry or something like that. <laughs> but uh, ultimately, before the Hawks see the, the magic again, they've got this six-game stretch. And I just wanted to know, from your perspective and based on who the Hawks don't have in the lineup for the next couple of weeks, do you see them maybe getting through this 500 stretch without JC, without Dre? It'll be challenging for sure. They have a couple games that are more winnable. That, that mm-hmm. Monday game at home against Oklahoma City is a more True. friendly environment, you would say, kind of like Orlando was on Wednesday. But it is going to be challenging. You know, John, yeah. in particular, Collins has not shot the ball all that well. Got a lot of attention this year for that. Mm-hmm. But it's still a big loss, especially defensively. Both Hunter and Collins have been playing very well there. And not a, not a ton of depth behind them, to be honest. So yeah. uh, it'll be potentially a little bit dicey. I think a reasonable expectation, to your point, would be mm-hmm. like just go out there and go three and three over the next six games. That would be a very nice step. Um, would that light the world on fire? No, it wouldn't. <laughs> but certainly would be uh, more than acceptable given what, where they are with the roster and who's out right now. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. It, You know, if this was three or four days ago and we were talking about having uh, JC and Dre in the lineup, especially with Dre kind of being pretty solid so far this season. 
uh, as far as points go, he's really kind of upped his game offensively and definitely keeps people honest uh, defensively. I think we would have said, hey, four and two is within reach. Five and one's within reach. But I agree with you. I think if they come out three and three in this little stretch, then they should be more, you know, more than good to go. And, you know, when I look at it as well, just from uh, the perspective of the, the Nuggets, right? They're a team that is sixth in the league in fast break scoring. They score an average of about 16 fast break points a game. But like I talked about before, no Michael Porter Jr. And he accounts for a quarter of that fast break average for them. So do you think that maybe this gives a little advantage to the Hawks in terms of being able to maybe slow down that uh, Nuggets fast break? Yeah, I think it definitely levels the playing field a little bit, especially knowing that Collins and Hunter are out. Uh, Porter would be the guy that one of them would be guarding almost in this entire game. So Mm -hmm. I think the the Nuggets are really, really good on offense, even without Porter, but he is someone that unlocks a lot of stuff for them. So it should make life a little bit easier. He's probably their best shooter from three-point range as well. Mm -hmm. So And also a lot of size. The Hawks should be pretty small right now without without Mm -hmm. John in there. So having a guy that is 6'10", not in your way with Michael Porter Jr., Definitely helps. That is the biggest challenge of the night, though, is just slowing down Denver because they're, they're definitely an offense first team and not, mm-hmm. not having Porter makes it easier for sure. Yeah. And I like what you're saying there, Brad, because as we know, especially if, if a player can get out on the wing one through five, that gives the Hawks challenges. So to have someone like Porter Jr. out, that could very well help because, yeah, when you're dealing with a team that is long and lean and, and your team is maybe going small ball by default, not because you want to, but because you have to, that certainly would maybe play in the Hawks' favor just a little bit more. So so I'm kind of liking that matchup a little uh, bit more in their favor now that I saw that. And, of course, not saying we want anybody to be hurt, but that does kind of play in their favor now. It's interesting because, you know, we all kind of uh, – it depends on who you spoke to, right? Because when the Hawks went out and got A.J. Griffin in the first round, I think it was like, hmm, okay, we kind of think we like that. We're not sure because we had a small sample size to choose from in his collegiate days at Duke, right? But I feel like Brad, A.J. Griffin has really, really shown out for the Hawks so far this season. Been a nice little surprise, if you will, for us. But what have you really liked most in his game that you've seen so far this season? Yeah, the easy answer is his shooting. He's a great shooter. That was kind of the scouting report coming out was like, if nothing else, he's going to make shots. So I'm tempted to say that, but even a step beyond that, like the fact that he's really under control as a 19 year old, like he's a pro out there already. And part of that maybe is that his dad was a former player and as a coach, Mm -hmm. and he probably has it somewhere in his blood that like, he just kind of understands how to play NBA basketball, but he really is a guy who plays beyond his age and there's still stuff he has to get better at his defense will get better as time goes on, but Mm -hmm. he's always under control. He knows what to do. And obviously the shooting is very, very important for a team that hasn't had a lot of that other other than him this, this season. So he's really kind of been a godsend for them because I'm not sure where they would be without him, especially now that Hunter's going to be out for a while. Indeed, indeed. And when you kind of get up and down play from the Holiday Brothers and uh, you, I think it's Justin who's out uh, tonight due to health and safety protocols. So you kind of look at that piece and you're like, yeah, that's really where a lot of your perimeter offenses come from. In fact, in that Wednesday game against the Magic, uh, went three of six from uh, the three point line, six of 12 from the field. So if they can get that kind of productivity from him, not just tonight, Brad, but even throughout this entire stretch as they await the return of Dre as they await the return of JC. I think that that can be critical for them as well. And then when you think about the fact that there's going to be a little bit of, how do we say, um, I don't want to say magic, but we're going to call it magic, uh, (laughs) that that, that, that Coach Nate is going to have to do with this lineup and hopefully getting a bit more out of the bench. I was looking at it from this perspective. 
So you, you've got the Nuggets and, and they've got players out as well. Uh, I think Jeff Green is out tonight too. So they've got some pieces that are missing as well. When you look at that Nuggets team and you kind of think to yourself, uh, what is it that, who is it that they bring to the table outside of, of course, the obvious, uh, Nikola Jokic. Who's their X factor tonight in terms of who the Hawks really need to look to to stop? And for me, Brad, that could be the obvious, which is the MVP, or it can be someone who you already know, Brad. There's always this guy, I like to say, who comes out of nowhere. (laughs) The other team's bench, and it's like, dang, he's lighting up the Hawks again. So I'm really interested to see who you go with as your X factor from the nuggets that the Hawks need to look to stop. Yeah, I mean, I'm tempted to just say Jokic because it is so crazy. Like, I don't want to go down the whole rabbit hole, but he basically, when, when, he, when he's on the floor this year, they've been this unstoppable force. And whenever he sits, they're just terrible. It's, yes. it's, it's, it's pretty no, remarkable, no his on-off splits and stuff like that. So, like, he's the real answer. Um, and then Jamal Murray is the obvious number two answer on yeah. that list. Mm-hmm. They do have some interesting supporting pieces, though. I think Aaron Gordon mm-hmm. is a guy I'd probably circle just because he's really athletic and really physical. And the Hawks, like we talked about before, don't really have that counter to him without Collins and Hunter in there. So keeping contained of Aaron Gordon will be big, especially if the Hawks are going to have to play small. They'll have they'll probably have a smaller guy on him. And mm-hmm. if he's under control, Jokic is going to get his. He's awesome. You can't really stop him. But if you keep Gordon from really beating you, that would be uh, very helpful. Indeed, indeed. And then on the flip side, you've got the Hawks and it'll be an interesting lineup tonight. And even looking down the list, you, you got to hope when you even see the questionables for tonight. Clint Capella still listed as questionable as far as, you know, the last uh, injury report I looked at, Brad. Also, Jalen Johnson was still listed as questionable. So very interested to kind of see where uh, we land uh, as far as the Hawks final lineup tonight. But that said, Let's go best case scenario. And everyone who's questionable, including Bogdan Bogdanovich, miraculously ends up being a guy that can actually go tonight. Who is your X factor who you think, hey, if this guy has a monster night, then, hey, other than the obvious, Trey Young. So let's take him out of the equation. But if we take Trey out of that equation, Brad, who's that guy, your X factor, who can get the Hawks this dub tonight? You mentioned Bogey. I wouldn't say he's the X factor about winning the game, but I'm just mm-hmm. excited to see him play basketball again. It would be interesting to kind of see what he looks like. Um, but like you said, provided everybody plays, I think it's a big opportunity the next couple of weeks for Jalen Johnson, just on paper without, without Collins there. He's really the only guy who has like traditional power forward size, yeah. even that they have. So, you know, second year guy, he's had some flashes this year, but now, you know, there's a path for him to play 30 minutes a night for the next couple of weeks. And I think that starts tonight. If he's available to play, it's a big one for him because he also might have to help on Jokic and kind of use his size. And uh, that's a guy I have circled for sure. And hopefully he plays. I hope he plays as well. And I think too, I'd love to see Clint Capella play because if CC can be at center and we have the true five in his face, to your point, if Jalen Johnson's there at the four and if Onyeka Okongu's a go, then you feel like you're more confident that right there in the, the front court, you're, you're good to go. You feel a little bit more confident. Now, the one thing I wanted to ask you too, before we wrap up, because you and I haven't had a chance to kind of chat. This is our first kind of foray this, this season, but hopefully not our last. <laughs> Like we said, quarter of the season, a little bit more than a quarter of the season in. What are your thoughts on the backcourt in terms of, A, how DeJounte Murray has played? Is it to your expectations? And B, that backcourt overall, Trey and DeJounte, have they started to gel in terms of where you thought they would be by this point of the season? 
Yeah, I think it was always going to take some time, and it will. I, I, even they talked about it. They were very open with like, this is not going to be perfect day one. They they all right. they all kind of knew it. Players, coaches. I think it's been okay. They've been pretty good when those, with those guys play together this year. Mm-hmm. Um, when Trey's off the court, it's kind of always been the problem with this Hawks team, and that's been the case yeah. even now. Like Murray helps yeah. them, but uh, I think Dejounte's been okay. He's not probably played his absolute best basketball in the last couple of weeks, True. but. Part of that's Trey, too. Like, Trey, I think he would definitely tell you he's not played his best either so far this right. year. So the numbers are there. They're always going to be there for those guys. But mm-hmm. runner days are ahead. I do think, though, they, they so far it's like, you know, somewhere in the middle, probably like a B grade. If, yeah. they, they will be better, I think, in the future, but they have not mm-hmm. quite clicked on all cylinders yet. But to be 12 and 10 with some of the issues that they've had is not the worst place to be. That's what I say as well. Like, I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. For me, it's all about, wow. They are where I thought they would be, which was a, a B. And there are some moments where I'm like, oh, wow, they have moments where they're they're on their A game and you're excited and you're like, wow, if that's what we're going to see for the rest of the season, I'm all good. But there are moments where you're like, okay, well, just a reminder, we knew this thing was going to take time. Landry Fields kind of warned us and kind of level set for us ahead of the season. And so did Nate McMillan. But I still like what I see as far as that backcourt starting to really gel and they're finding you know, their way, if you will, one more question before we wrap up. I know it's the one, but I got one more for you <laughs> because I got you here, Brad. I got our locked on Hawks guys. So I'm going to ask him questions when I got him. Who's that guy where you are also saying, hey, we're a quarter into the season. And if the Hawks are going to contend with a very, very competitive Eastern Conference. And for me, Brad, kind of get themselves potentially over the hump, which I consider the hump in the four spot. Right. So that they can at least get an opening round, maybe an opening round playoff uh, that uh, round series that they'll be able to host who's that guy where you're like okay we're through a quarter of the season gonna need you to step up in this next quarter yeah i mean I, honestly i would have probably said john collins before he Same. got hurt before he, uh, right. on offense i will say collins is playing yeah. his best defense of his career so far mm-hmm. it's kind of been overlooked because people were and I, and I get why he's not shooting the ball very well yeah. but he's gonna have to give them some more and i think the other guy who has not played yet is bogdanovich I've been saying probably for like three or four months now, wait till Bogdanovich comes back. because <laughs> he, he unlocks so much for them as this shooter in particular, but just this, this yeah. bench guy who's a veteran. And I think that uh, they're not going to be complete until they have him up to speed. Hopefully that starts tonight. If not tonight, maybe Monday, but yeah. he's a guy that I've always kind of struggled as an X factor and uh, he certainly will be one. I think. Yeah. I have to agree with you on that one. It's one of those things where now last year, Brad, my, my mantra was Dre day every day waiting on DeAndre Hunter to come back. I was like, yeah, you just wait until Dre comes back. (laughs) Last year, that was my mantra until like uh, late December and when he really got his legs under him uh, early January, right? Well, this year I'm with you. My mantra is, yeah, you just wait until Bobby comes back. Like we're going to see something different. And going to what you said, literally it's a situation where I think it's not so much for Bogdan Bogdanovich that we're looking for him to explode immediately, right? right? But even if he gets on the court and we can see that he is looking like himself and he's moving to the point where he's going to be his former self, then I think we'll be good. And I think the other thing you mentioned is this. Having Trey lead the second unit is, is good from time to time. DeJounte Murray's actually led that second unit a whole heck of a lot. But there's something about what Bogdan Bogdanovich was able to do last year, especially as the season kind of wore on and you saw him really kind of take that leadership position for for the bench mob, I think that's another critical piece that maybe, while it doesn't necessarily give you points from him, it can maybe help everybody else on that second unit to take up the, their game and bring, bring their A game to the table. 
Yeah, I think part of the whole theory of this Hawks team is to have someone like Bogey to play with Trey or with DeJounte to have that like number one level wing scorer initiator. He just makes a lot of things happen. And also he can spot up 30 feet from the basket and gets guarded. And that just provides a lot more space for everybody else. So uh, Mm -hmm. lots of insurance stuff. And he's also just a pro. He's a veteran and knows how to play. So I know they're they're eager for him to come back. They've mentioned it a few times. Nate has and players (laughs) have. They're already like, all right, Bogey, let's 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 do this now. And hopefully in the next couple of days, we'll see him on the court. Indeed. Hopefully in the next few days, we will see the return of one Bogdan Bogdanovich. And, you know, Brad, this is going to be an interesting game. It's going to be very, very close because you've got an over under already of 231 and a half points. But like you said, the Nuggets are an offensive, they're offensive minded. So are the Hawks. And right now you've got the spread Nuggets minus two and a half Hawks plus two and a half. But if you want to get more information about where that line lands just before the game, you know where to go. BetOnline.net. That's your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info, whether it's NBA, NFL, or whether it is a niche sport like it's in season, of course, golf or tennis. Those are the, the kind of sports that you can also get information on. They have a podcast. So just like you check out Locked On Hawks, you check out ATL Day Ones. You can check out a podcast on betonline.net to see where it is that you're supposed to bet, especially if you're like me and you're a novice. So make sure after you check out Locked On Hawks, after you check out ATL Day Ones, that next stop should be betonline.net because that is where the game begins. Of course, Brad, I appreciate you. And I will definitely look forward to seeing you down at State Farm Arena really soon. We'll be there tonight, I'm sure. And uh, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to doing this again in the future. And hopefully the Hawks get it together here in the near future. <laughs> hopefully, Brad. So that you and I, and when Jarvis comes back, we can have some positive conversation. There we go. The team just down the road. Take care, Brad. Thank you. Thanks again for stopping by. So guys, we are excited. Like Brad said, we've got Hawks Nuggets tonight. Should be a great, great uh, competitive match there against those two very offensively minded teams. And then, of course, you know, we've got the SEC championship game coming through on Saturday. That's the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs going up against the number 14 LSU Tigers. So we'll see if Georgia can continue to be on that path to an undefeated national championship season and then there is sunday falcon steelers down at the bends it is going to be interesting because those teams are actually very evenly paired so here to talk about that game and kind of give us a preview and give us a little bit of insight into how things are going in pittsburgh it's our guy from locked on steelers chris carter what is happening today what's going on Tanisha? glad to be here at the day ones appreciate you bring me on the show Absolutely appreciate you as well. And listen, if you see a super duper smile on my face, it is because I am a Steelers fan. So I am super excited. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, I'm so like, listen, <laughs> for work purposes, I don't have my, my terrible towel in this room. It has its own shrine in the other room. So w- listen, when I am in the uh, the media room or the press box uh, this coming Sunday, I'm going to literally have to put my hands. Under, I'm going to sit on my hands, I'm going to have to close my eyes or close my mouth and just look straight ahead. It's going to be, you know, good stuff. But also, uh, having covered the Falcons, I know that this is a very critical game for the Falcons as well. So it's going to be very interesting to see because I don't know about you, at Chris, but, you know, having your bird's eye view in Pittsburgh, I feel like there are still some positive things and some trending up type of things that are happening and churning with the Steelers. Absolutely. The run game has been improving, especially since the bye week, even the week before the bye week, when they got slaughtered by the Eagles, the run game was moving the ball and they've been averaging over 150 yards on the ground per game the last four games. 
that's a lot of improvement considering they've been terrible running the ball since yeah. 2018. So mm-hmm. really good steps there. The defense, despite TJ Watt not being his best yet, they're stopping, they're stuffing the run well. You're seeing them play well. And, and Kenny Pickett has mm-hmm. is slowly but steadily yeah. climbing his way up the NFL. He called one of the plays that got a touchdown for the Steelers. In fact, uh the the game winning touchdown, it turned out to be against the Colts. They mm-hmm. like his development. It's not this isn't the year for the Steelers. We all knew that that would be the case. They needed to see development, but the good thing is for them, long-term, they're seeing it. Yeah, and I love what you're saying there, Chris, because, yeah, whether if you're Steelers Nation or even if you're just looking at it at a macrocosmic view across the NFL, this was the one team where everybody said, oh, yeah, we're giving Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers a bye because we know that, yeah, we'll start off with Mitchell Trubisky, but eventually Mm – we know that they want to move to Kenny Pickett and we need the opportunity. That guy needs an opportunity to show what he can do. So, yeah, I've actually been pleasantly surprised. I thought he was going to be good, but still pleasantly surprised that he's actually delivering. And like you said, the example that you just gave was not just about, you know, actually executing, but that speak, speaks a lot to his football IQ, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then I want to go back to something that you said as well, which for me, kind of looking at this team, it's actually the Steelers and Falcons are very similar in that they have both found their run game life, right? Mm-hmm. So they've both gotten their lives back. Falcons, of course, with Cordero Patterson and company, uh, Steelers with Najee Harris, but low key. Also, when you've got a Benny Snell who's actually come through, and I know right now he's kind of questionable in mm-hmm. terms of whether or not he's a go on Sunday, but I look at them and I'm like, wow you've actually got running backs like a stable that the Steelers can actually lean into that I think, and I want to hear your opinion on it, but I think that potentially if any of them can go, even if they're less than 1%, 100%, I still think that that makes Pittsburgh not so one-dimensional. No, I agree with that assessment. And the guy to, to remember this equation is Jalen Warren, Jaylen. The, un- yes. the, the, the undrafted free <laughs> yes. agent. This is the guy who's the cousin of Willie Parker. Yes. He, came, he came into the Steelers. I talked to Steelers running back coach Eddie Faulkner during training camp, and he was like, Chris, this was the steal. We thought he was the sixth best running back of this draft class. We knew we couldn't draft one because we had other concerns. But when he was sitting there as an undrafted free agent, we said, come on over. Like, yeah. And they've been so happy to have him. He's been a spark. He's averaging five yards per carry. He missed the mm-hmm. last game with an injury, but he's practiced in full on Wednesday and Thursday. I anticipate on him on Friday to practice in full again. If Najee Harris can't go – Jalen Warren's going to take the tough snaps. And uh, if Ben Snell can't go, Anthony McFarlane will be their number two. They're excited about the speed that he brings. But, yeah, I totally expect if the Steelers come out, the offensive line has steadily mm-hmm. improved this year. They're still yeah. not one of the better groups in the NFL or anything like that, but they're blocking more consistently against the run. They're learning how to ch- how to combo block. They're learning how to double team and chip to the second level. And mm-hmm. that has helped them so much. It's Najee Harris. We've seen his play improve, but also Jalen Warren. That's why you saw Benny Snell with his best game ever for the Steelers yes. last Last week, so I think yeah, whoever's in that backfield, as long as they got two guys that that they can kind of rotate and keep each other fresh, I think they'll be in a good place to run the ball. Yeah, and that's the thing that we've seen here locally with the Falcons, where now that you have Cordero Patterson back, of course he was out a couple weeks on IR, and you've got Tyler Algier really, really kind of finding his way. It's starting to become like this committee, even like they'll throw in an Avery Williams every now and again, and that really gives the the Falcons some depth and. Falcons rely a whole heck of a lot, probably even more than the Steelers, to be honest, on their run game. But and and they've done well. They did well even against the Commanders last last week. They've done well against run uh, defenses that are stout. But this Steelers rush defense, sixth best in the NFL. 
What do you think the Steelers game plan is to possibly stop Cordero Patterson to stop CP and company? I think the, the game plan is is normal. One thing that I, I want to encourage to talk about is that the Steelers, they're used to mobile quarterbacks. They've built their defense to stop Lamar Jackson. So when Marcus Mariota's coming to town, or well, they, when they're coming to town to face Marcus Mariota, mm-hmm. they know they know the stakes as far as how gap how important gap integrity is. But yes. you've seen this group, which driven this run defense to be better. Last year, they were the worst run defense in the NFL. That's the first time since like 1945 the Steelers allowed that mm-hmm. to happen. They vowed that wouldn't be the case, and they followed through. One thing you've seen, Larry Ogunjobi, Cam Hayward up the middle, they have plugged holes so much better they've mm-hmm. kept their off ball guys clean miles jack devin bush both of them have been much better against the run this year they've been flying all over and i think that's going to be the key to stopping this offense you look at algier you look at patterson you look at mariota these guys are quick these guys are good mm-hmm. in space you have to have guys who can win in space and that's yeah. why they made sure to have these guys in the lineup also i would not be surprised if arthur mallette their slot corner who usually is playing slot simply to blitz or stop the run mm-hmm. and or terrell edmonds the strong safety he's been bumping down down in the box a lot too. Mm-hmm. I expect those two guys as well to be guys kept clean to be mm-hmm. detected attack slash go after these guys and limit this run game. The Steelers want Marcus Mariota to have to test them with his arm. Yeah, and you make a great point as well. That's one of the things that when a team has been successful against the Falcons, it's typically because you're going to get guys from the secondary, from the linebacker court. It's really just going to be by committee saying, hey, you can get to the first level. We'll let you do that, but you will not get to the second level because when the Falcons do get to the second level with losing backs like CP, yeah, it's a problem. So, yeah, when they've seen challenges, it's been exactly because of the scheming that you just mentioned. So it'll be interesting to kind of see what that chess match is going to be between Arthur Smith and Mike Tomlin as far as uh, Steelers rush defense versus uh, the the Falcons run offense. Now, the other thing that I was interested in this is this, and I'll tell you why this question is so intriguing, but you might already know. The Falcons have some secondary challenges because Mm -hmm. they've had a lot of guys go down, including Casey Hayward, and that was going to be kind of the one-two punch uh, this year along with A.J. Terrell. But they have definitely seen some positives um, from the safeties, particularly from from Richie Grant. He's done done a solid job this year. But my question to you is this. George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, who is the one that the Falcons really need to be afraid of? Uh, right now, it's George Pickens. And it's not okay. because Deontay Johnson's talent isn't there. But mm-hmm. George Pickens has established a really good connection with Kenny Pickett. He's also been the Steelers deep ball guy. His average depth of target is 15.2 yards. So mm-hmm. it's like he's getting the ball deep downfield. He's, you know, he still has to work on his consistency. But we've yeah. seen his big big play catchability. You know, mm-hmm. he's really good. And he's really good. Even if you're plastering yourself all over him, he loves those back shoulder catches. George Pickens is is aggressive. He's going to he's going to yeah. play aggressive. AJ Terrell, if I if I'm anybody, I'm I'm taking him up. But I will say, yeah. don't sleep on Deontay Johnson. The biggest thing is that Deontay Johnson, he doesn't have a touchdown on this year. He hasn't been consistent, but his ability to get separation is still top notch. The yeah. Steelers want Kenny Pickett to get him the ball, so do mm-hmm. look for that to happen at some point. They're going to get there. The, the question will be, can you contain Deontay Johnson and keep him from getting so open that he mm-hmm. gets a lot of space to move? Because when he's get, when he works in space. That's when he's comfortable. George Pickens is the top option there. I will say, Otisha, do not sleep on Pat Fryermuth. The Steelers love their tight end power, and he's been catching the ball down the middle, especially since Chase Claypool left. He's become Mm -hmm. more and more of that presence for Kenny Pickett. I think that this is a game where Kenny Pickett, he's been slowly progressing. This is an opportunity for us to see just how far he's come and how well he's seeing the field to get it to all three of those guys. 
And that's so such a great point that you make because the other person that I didn't mention was Jalen Hawkins. He is the resident ball hawk for mm -hmm. this team. And he's going to be that one who's looking to say, okay, well, if we can get pressure up front on Kenny Pickett and we can get him to toss that ball early, like he has an amazing, amazing ability to really see the ball. And like you said, it doesn't always show up in the stat line for what Jalen Hawkins does, but there's so much that he does for this team. He's just really a critical piece, not just to the secondary, but really that guy who comes up and is able to uh, assist in making sure that a back isn't going to get to that second level because he does pride himself in tackling and he prides himself in the ability to kind of help stop the run as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's this meme online. I, I'm sure you've seen it where you've got like the Spider-Man here and the Spider-Man there. And it's like, <laughs> I tell you, Chris, this team is like the same because you're talking about Friarmouth and I'm thinking about the fact that, yeah, Kyle Pitts is down mm -hmm. for uh, the Falcons, but they've got guys. Like they have guys who are uh, at the tight end position who are more than willing to step up, whether they're asked to be blocking tight ends or whether they're asked to be pass catchers. And, you know, Arthur Smith loves the heck out of a 12 man personnel like he loves 12 personnel. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what happens. One more question that I'm going to ask before I let you go. You kind of mentioned it earlier, and I think everybody's been kind of watching with bated breath because, of course, T.J. Watt returns, and he's a little quieter than normally T.J. Watt would be, but you also said that you kind of see him returning to form and really getting back to potentially having a major impact on maybe this game? It could be that, and here's the thing is that I just don't know. Like, I have underestimated T.J. Watt before. I've made that mistake in my life. I try not to make that mistake anymore. Yes. Uh, but one thing that's happened with T.J. Watt, he tore his pec. He also had knee surgery. He was mm -hmm. going through it this season. But he came back a lot faster than people, people thought. But in being back, he hasn't had the same sort of, you know, just strength to take on people. If you look back at that Colts game, I always studied the All-22 and talk about it on Lockdown Steelers. But mm -hmm. there were times where Mo Ali Cox was pushing him back. And I'm like, a tight end run blocking TJ Watt? Something's wrong. And yeah. I, I do think that he's not able to get the same sort of punch and rip moves mm -hmm. that, may, that, that, are, that have become a staple to his brand of play. And I think that that's something that's there. But... He's still dangerous. You saw in that yeah. Bengals game, his first game back, he had that crazy interception at the line of scrimmage. He's still going to be an impact player. I just think the Steelers, you know, there were several times last year where he came back from an injury. It took him like one week, and then he was back to his thing. It might, it's, it's, it's been two weeks now since his injury or since mm -hmm. he's come back from injury. But I do think this is a week where he's going to get an opportunity to shine a bit and get, and get a sense of that. The question will be, though, can the Steelers stuff the run and give him opportunities to get after the quarterback yes. and make it so that Marcus Mariota does not bring a quick passing offense? Because if he is, that's mm -hmm. going to limit what him and Alex Highsmith do, who stepped up in T.J. Watt's absence. He has 10 sacks mm -hmm. on the season. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think T.J. Watt's getting there. I, mm -hmm. I think that he's not going to be back to 100% this season. He's going to need next season to do it. But still, T.J. Watt at 80% is a very dangerous defender. I was just going to co-sign and say most teams would take T.J. Watt at 70 percent <laughs> because when they look at the rest of their defense, they're going, yeah, no, we'll just take that guy. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting down in the men's on Sunday. I'm excited. This is actually my first time seeing the Steelers here in Atlanta, so it's going to be very interesting. But, you know, I'll try to be the very objective press person that I can be. So anyway, we appreciate your time. Again, you guys check out Chris Carter on Locked on Steelers because, hey, he's got all the info and insight that you could want if you are a part of Steeler Nation. And if you want more insight on not just what's going on with the Steelers, but also if you want to know what's going on with Pittsburgh sports in general, just in case there are any exciting things going on, whether it is the Pirates or Penguins or any other team, you know where you can go? You can go to Locked on Sports today because if there is a big story, they're going to 
to have it. If there's a reaction to it, they're going to have it. And most importantly, you know, here we do kind of like a for the culture segment where we just talk about anything we want to. They do the same. They call it take of the day. So don't forget, after you check on Locked on Steelers to see what Chris Carter's got on deck and you check on ATL day one, your next stop needs to be Locked on Sports today. So thanks again, Chris, for stopping by and um, low key, go Steelers Nation, but low key, Falcons go get it as well. It's going to be an interesting game on Sunday. Take care, Chris. Thank you very much. Thank you. So, guys, you know what it is. It is Friday, and it is time for For the Culture. And you're accustomed to me, of course, being with my guy, Jarvis Davis. But he'll be back on Monday. But in the meantime, there were a couple of things that you guys asked me about, and I thought it was very interesting. So it's kind of Ask Me Anything style. And I am going to answer some of your questions right here before we get out of here on a beautiful Friday where we've got more than enough sports going on in this town, right? So one of the questions was this. The Thriller album, a couple of days ago, I think it was, reached the 40th anniversary milestone. That is crazy to think that Thriller came out 40 years ago. And the question, there were two questions on the table. The first question was whether or not Thriller was the best album for Michael Jackson or whether Off the Wall was actually better. Okay, in my opinion, it was off the wall. And this is actually something that Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones, of course, who produced both albums, talked about. They feel like it was the best album for him as well. So I don't know. I just felt like it was a complete album. And I guess if you're more into like the R&B side of what Michael Jackson did, that was the better album. But of course, Thriller was a little bit more pop. And then the question was, if you took all of the Thriller songs, right, because all of us played that album through and through and through, what would be like your number one song? And number one for most people, including on the Billboard ranking was uh, Billie Jean. But for me, I don't know, I'm kind of a human nature type of girl. So that's kind of where I stood there. And then you guys also had some commentary about Kanye West. And there's a site that was actually looking to give people free removal if they actually happen to have a Kanye West tattoo. Two things, number one, why in the heck would you have a Kanye West tattoo on your body? Maybe you and I need to have some conversation offline. But number two, if you happen to have it, now's the time to take advantage of that free service because, hey, that's not something, that's not the feng shui, that's not the energy, that's not the anything that you want in your life right now. Listen, it is a beautiful day here in Atlanta. So hopefully you guys are going to go out tonight and support our high school football teams. There are some amazing games going on, some really competitive games as these teams Look to go one step closer to the high school finals here in Georgia. Of course, Saturday, SEC championship game. Number one, Georgia is on its way, I think, to another round of contending for the national title. I think they're right on on target and right on time to go back to the CFP. And then finally, Sunday, we wrap it up with Falcon Steelers. So don't forget to check out ATL Day Ones. Keep coming here. Over 5,000 subscribers. We need to get to 6,000. So bring your friends as well. And when we come back on Monday, we're going to talk about Hawks Nuggets. We'll also preview Hawks Thunder. And of course, we'll give you guys reaction to Falcon Steelers and Georgia LSU. So take care of yourselves. Be well. And we'll see you guys on Monday. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.